0: Okay, we're, uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea, we don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years and, I, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kobe Powell, Colby, America's greatest homecoming is upon us with Texas coming to town. Are you
0: fired up? Uh, Always, always for homecoming. Yeah, we'll be in Stillwater tonight. We will be in Stillwater tomorrow. So uh, always makes for a fun weekend, makes for a busy weekend. Uh, A lot of hours on the road, a lot of hours in Stillwater. But yeah, love homecoming weekend. Can't wait to get up there tonight.
1: Get into homecoming and the matchup with Texas. Let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. I'm sure Chris's will be bumping. It's always a just an awesome awesome weekend in Stillwater for homecoming we all know what all that entails and I tell you Colby I've been to a lot of different campuses covering college football throughout my career and and no one really does it quite like Oklahoma State you got the all the house decks certainly makes for for great viewing and walk around on Friday night and uh, it's just it's really special it, it really is and I was curious just to get your thoughts on your experiences with homecoming albeit as a student and then maybe now as, now, as you're after, uh, now you're an adult and out of school.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that I've actually enjoyed it more as an adult being out of school because that's going back. You know, whenever you're a student there, uh, I wasn't in Greek life, so all night popping and stuff. They do an amazing job, but I was never a part of that. So uh, we would always go walk around, check it out, have fun. But well, when I was in college, it felt like just another event on a, a Friday night. Now, now that I'm grown, I'm out of school. This will be the first year taking my daughter up there. Uh, my sister and her husband will be there with my my little niece, who's a few months younger even than my daughter. Our whole family will be there. So I think it's starting to take on more meaning for me as I get older, uh, and as my wife and I have started a family, because it's it's going back. And you know, the word homecoming, it's that's what it is. It just it feels like home. You you get out there, everybody's out there with the orange on. There's people everywhere, and you just know that everybody there shares um, just shares in the love for Oklahoma state and the love for Stillwater and that that's just home for everybody. It's an incredible gathering. Uh, And yeah, Carson, I think it's starting to mean more to me uh, the older I get and the further removed from college I get. What was it like for you when you were in school?
1: Yeah. See, I, uh, I was a member of the Delta Tau Delta fraternity, my first year and a half at Oklahoma state. And we were one of the few houses who didn't do the house decks. We uh, we would partner with a sorority and do, it was actually really cool. We had host a carnival in the parking lot. We had a massive parking lot. So all the kids would come and ride all the rides we had set up and we did participate in the float competition. So we did uh, pomp this massive float, but me being me, I had other priorities to go out and have some fun in college. So I, I somehow got out of the pumping. I think I may have signed my name in and then left, and just kind of <laughs> didn't really contribute. Sorry to all my uh, my, my pledge class uh, folks that I that I I love so much, but uh, I skirted the uh, homecoming responsibilities and just indulged in all the fun that was to be had on on homecoming week. And uh, I really, obviously, been working in the media the last you know thirteen years, so I haven't really got to go and enjoy it as just you know a, a layman or a person not. You know, up there just to cover a football game. So I really haven't got to enjoy it the way you have. And I certainly was hoping to get up there this weekend. Uh, my Saturday plans have kind of been changed around. I might be able to make it up there if I can find a ticket. I'm having trouble doing that so far. So if anyone has any tickets for me or, you know, a good deal on something, they can, they can hit me up on Twitter and uh, I'll get with them. But, but no, it's, it, it was a great time. And it certainly builds a like camaraderie amongst all the students getting involved and, I, love, I loved walking to class, seeing the, the fountain-colored orange. That was always great. And, uh, you know, when I was in school, Colby, they, they hardly ever won football games. So it was always a question of, you know, would they get beat and how badly, typically. Because it was like Mike's first year was like my – I had the first two years of less, Miles, which were great, you know, with the Cotton Bowl and things like that. But Mike's first few years were, were pretty rough, albeit they had a couple nice wins in there. So – I love homecoming and uh, Texas is certainly a, an exciting matchup for homecoming as well.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. It's a great matchup for homecoming. And uh, Carson, do you mean to tell me, do you mean to tell me that a 15 to 10 win over Montana State didn't get the students fired up going crazy? Was that homecoming? No, it wasn't. That was just, I think it was Gundy's first game. And uh, for whatever reason, I remember. That weird 15 to 10 Montana State game. We're leaving the stadium that day. This is back when they played should have been a cowboy every time you leave the stadium, Toby Keith. And we're leaving the stadium, should have been a cowboys playing. And, and we're all just walking out like, oh my God, 15 to 10 over Montana State. Uh just kind of kind of fun to look back, reminisce on the early Gundy days. Well, you know why I remember that
1: game now is because of that ridiculous hit piece from Sports Illustrated when they allege that. I believe it was Calvin Micken's was paid by a booster after the the massive 15 to 10 win over Montana State as if some boosters paying a you know a defensive back that's not you know one of the the biggest names on the team like that that's when I knew that article was garbage after a 15 to 10 win over Montana State that's how I remember that game now but but yeah certainly Mike's first year they were they had less miles personnel to run you know, power eye off tackle football and they were running Larry Fedora's no huddle spread, you know, spread them out with, with that personnel. And it was, it was ugly. Larry Fedora was a good offense coordinator, but he really struggled with the personnel they had and they had to run off a bunch of talented football players, which we all remember. But yeah, the, the Montana state game not, does not live in uh, homecoming lore, but that is a, a fond memory of, of Mike Gundy's. Uh, opening season so yeah homecoming this weekend in Stillwater big time matchup again with Texas really kind of Colby I think somewhat of an elimination type matchup for the Big 12 championship game now you won't be totally eliminated but Oklahoma State would really have their work cut out for them because Texas still gets to play Kansas State and TCU has already played TCU and I think between Kansas State Texas and Oklahoma State those are your four front runners to make it to Jerry world. So that, that makes this matchup, which is always big against Texas, just that much bigger.
0: No, it does. This game has huge implications for the big 12 and Carson. I I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns coming into this game for Oklahoma state. Uh, Obviously without Brendan ever for the rest of the season, we'll get into that a little bit more, but just Spencer Sanders, what, is he going to play if he does what percentage will he be at to be out there I I thought last week in the first half he looked pretty good I thought as that game went along he got worn down and started to I mean he looked like he was really hurting to me in the fourth quarter of that game Uh, now I I don't think that he was put in positions to be successful but I do think that there's some real problems there with the shoulder and the ankle so uh, this is a big big game Carson I've been seeing all the projections this week that game against TCU was just so big to to let that one go still hurts because you look at all the projections this week and I'm seeing a whole bunch of TCU versus Texas projected in the Big 12 championship game. You know, they're, they're the ones getting the bigger bowls at the end of the season, New York, six, uh, New Year's six college football playoff chances, all that type of stuff. If Oklahoma State wants to get back in the conversation as one of the elites of the Big 12 this season, I think they've got to beat Texas tomorrow because you lose back to back games in October in the middle of the season. People are going to start to forget about you where even if you do run the table and, and backdoor a trip to the conference championship game, uh, nationally, the conversation is going to be shifted in a major way if you lose back-to-back weeks to TCU and Texas. So I think that this is a, a very important game tomorrow for Oklahoma State. Absolutely, and, and you touched on
1: it. I think by far the biggest question is Spencer Sanders' status. Uh, you know, Mike was kind of taken to task a little bit by uh, Barry Trammell at the weekly press conference this week. You know, Mike basically was little miff saying, you know, don't ask me about injuries. It's nothing personal. Uh, I don't like the fact that uh, you asked me about him not practicing last week. And then Barry kind of took issue with that and said, look, Molly McGrath on the broadcast said that he didn't practice all week last week. And you told her that. And so Mike really kind of was like, you know what? You're right. I probably shouldn't divulge anything to the national media that I, that I do with you guys. So I just, I won't do that anymore. And I think that's why Colby it's been radio silent out of Stillwater there, there no one knows for sure I've heard a little bit that he has been practicing but nothing that I'm you know just rock solid hundred percent sure on it's there's a lot of questions on his status if he's practicing and if he is practicing how healthy is he and that's why I think Colby too the the point spread jumped you know I mean you and I thought it was wrong from the get-go I think the one I was looking at had OSU favor but I think Texas really in large part opened as like a two point favorite two and a half three in there. It's jumped up to nearly seven. I think it's a six and a half. Currently. I think a lot of that has to do with no one really knows about Spencer and they all saw him under throw that, that late interception in CCU his shoulder clearly bothering him in the second half. I think that is why I think Texas comes in as a six and a half point favorite, but I don't know what you've heard Colby, but I, I've heard nothing regarding Spencer and his status, but I don't know how you feel either too. I, I'm curious to hear what you've heard, but also like, He played against TCU, so I have a hard time believing he's not going to play at all against Texas.
0: Yeah, it's just I have a hard time imagining he's not going to play, but man, he didn't look great late in that game. And it might be a situation where you think, okay, can we run our offense with Spencer Sanders out there or would we be better off to to run Gunner out there and just try to simplify things? You know, eat clock, play a little bit more like they did last year where they just try to play ball control offense instead of going out uh, and being aggressive for I was going to say four quarters, but you know, recent history would indicate three. Uh, so yeah, I I don't know, Carson. I haven't heard anything. I don't have any inside information on Spencer. I would imagine that he'll play. Wouldn't totally shock me if he didn't, but this is such a big game. And we know if, if there's one thing, nobody has questioned about Spencer Sanders since he got to Oklahoma state, it's his toughness. If he can be out there, he's going to be out there. I just, I don't know, Carson, this line is Texas minus six. Like that's a big line that, that, that says something to me. I feel like about Spencer's availability or his health. I just, man, Texas minus six. I don't know. Maybe that's just me trying to connect dots that aren't there.
1: I think it's, I think it has part to do with that. I, I do think though, people have overreacted a little bit on, on the point lot, the point spread because of just purely Spencer. I think a lot of it has to do with the respect Texas always gets from the sports books and the public betters. I mean, again, Vegas takes into account money more so than how many points a team's going to win by. You factor that in with OSU's really struggled to run the football. Uh, They did so again against TCU. Texas can run the football. Quinn Ewers is back. I think there's a lot of factors moving it to six more than just Spencer, but the uncertainty I think is why ultimately it's, it's that high because you're right. That is a high number for a team playing at home. A team that's won eight of the last 12 against Texas, a team that, even in when the last time they came to Stillwater, they largely outplayed them. Just they, they had a bunch as one of those Spencer games where he turned it over three times. And that's the reason they won. And we don't have to go back to the, the roughing the punter that occurred in that game as well. But they've mostly outplayed Texas, I guess, is my point. Sarkeesian, to me, though, does have this Texas team playing much better offensive football. That's been their biggest problem uh, over the last 10 years is they haven't had a quarterback, and they certainly haven't even known what they are trying to accomplish on offense. And you factor that in with Oklahoma State's secondary. There's just a lot of things going against Oklahoma State right now, which is why that point spread is what it is. So I think Spencer's going to play. How effective he will be, I'm not sure, Colby, but the difference between this year and last year, he, he didn't throw for 200 yards last year, and they were able to win the game largely thanks to that defense. Well, I think we're seeing now, even though I was really encouraged by three quarters against TCU, they're susceptible through the air. And that's what Quinn Ewers does best. He just, he's not a runner. It's the first quarterback they've faced, I believe, this year that is not a runner. He's mostly a statue back there. And he's going to test that secondary. And I think besides Spencer's injury status, Colby, that's my number one concern by far in this matchup is can they handle the aerial assault they're going to see from, from Quinn Ewers and into the Xavier Worthies and, and the Jordan Whittingtons.
0: Yeah, it's a big question, right? Because like you said, Texas finally, it seems like, has a quarterback. Uh, I know we had a lot of conversations about Sam Ellinger. I was never an Ellinger guy. I didn't think that he was the answer for Texas. I think Quinn Ewers might be. I mean, he he looks good throwing the football. Now I'd like to see him uh, against a higher level of competition, but you, you just – We saw him for a quarter against Bama. I don't even know what that means at this point. I don't know what this Bama team is at this point after giving up more than half a hundred last week against Tennessee. Uh, But he's just looked really good. and, And he passes the eye test, right? He's tall. Good arm strength, throws a good ball, tight spiral, seems to be pretty accurate. uh So, yeah, I think that they might finally have a quarterback. And there are some guys that are going to give Oklahoma State some trouble. You mentioned Xavier Worthy, uh Bijan Robinson. It, it's just for Oklahoma State, are you willing to sell out to stop Bijan? And then Quinn Ewers could potentially pick you apart. If you don't put enough guys in there for Bijan, then Bijan is just going to eat you alive. I, it's. Again, this is another game where I don't feel like Oklahoma State can win this game with with 31. I think Oklahoma State's going to have to be uh, you know, 38-45 to win this game against Texas because Texas is going to put up some points. If if it's again, Carson, it's been a constant reprogramming all season from Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper and that secondary to this season. There, there's no more 17-14 wins coming Oklahoma State's way. Um yeah, I, I kind of expect viewers to have a big day. I I don't what is the over under? on this game Carson, I can pull it up right here over under on this game is 60 I don't I don't think that that's in play if Spencer plays I, I think that they're gonna fly right right past that in the late third quarter early fourth maybe
1: I think it's gonna be similar to the TCU game in terms of kind of an old school big 12 type game I mean you've you've seen the scoring really go up once these you know higher ranked teams have played each other there has been some some lackluster games and I, I just I, I'm with you I, I don't think either defense is going to just shut the one or the other down. And I, I do think I want to touch more on the, the defensive matchup for Oklahoma state, but before we do that, just what are your thoughts on Texas? They're, they're still kind of an enigma to me because, you know, they, they clearly should have beaten Alabama. I mean, that, that call in the end zone as they were sacking Bryce Young is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in, in college football history. Then they, you know, they have a nice, I think a solid win on UTSA who I'd kind of had them on upset alert with, then they go to Lubbock and lose. To, to Texas Tech, and we saw what Texas Tech's capable of. They're a decent team. There are no easy outs in Big 12 play. Then they beat West Virginia, who's feisty, just beat Baylor, beat them by 18. Then they destroy a, a hapless Oklahoma. But then, Colby, they they probably should have lost last week to Iowa State. If, if uh, the, the best receiver Iowa State's had in a long time, Hutchinson can hang on to a football, and then Matt Campbell's losing his mind on a targeting, on a fumble that ultimately decided the game, I mean, Iowa State's, you know, 0 and four and big 12 play now all four of those losses by a combined, I think 14 points. So they're not, they're not just this year's Kansas by any means, but they're going to probably end up at the very bottom of the standings and, and probably should have won in Austin. So I, while I do think Texas has improved, I do think people are going a little far on them as a, you know, prohibitive favorite to win the big 12 or even make the college football playoff. They've, they've shown some holes, albeit they look like they had their stuff together a lot more than in years past.
0: Yeah, Carson. It's the question of you know the the loss to Texas Tech, the should have been lost last week to Iowa State. Are those the outliers, or is that more who Texas is? I think that Carson, you could make a serious case if we were doing a uh, a Hook'em Horns podcast today. I think we'd be making the case that that was a trap game last week for Texas. Come off the 49-0 win against Oklahoma, biggest win ever against OU. Everybody's talking about you nationally. You just buried your rival into the turf, embarrassed them, embarrassed them. You walk around campus all week. Everybody's telling you how great you are. To hell with Oklahoma. And then you come out and you kind of lay an egg against Iowa State, but they escaped it, Carson. So if that were a trap game, then you would think that Oklahoma State is going to get uh, a, a better look from Texas this week. Texas won't be having to look ahead to their next game against Kansas State. Texas is on bye next week, so this is—I mean, this is a prime spot for Texas to show up ready to go. Uh, and and it may not be for Oklahoma State coming off the big loss last week. Again, it feels like they come into homecoming every year off a loss, uh, and it's because they do. It's the fourth or fifth straight year they've come into homecoming. Off a loss. So um, I, I don't know because yeah, they should have beaten Alabama, Carson. I agree with that. But they didn't. So now I'm looking for the quality wins on their schedule. What I mean, there are no quality wins. They they beat West Virginia, they beat Iowa State, they beat Oklahoma with Davis Bevel at quarterback. There are no quality wins. So Texas is a bit of an enigma right now. They certainly seem better, but man, are we, are we totally convinced that they're not the same Texas we've been watching for a few years who whenever they actually have a chance to accomplish something, they just lay an egg and go the wrong direction. I'm not convinced that, it's, that this isn't the same Texas team that's going to do that. Uh, now, about 30 hours from now, I think we'll know. If Texas goes into Stillwater uh, and beats a good Oklahoma State team, I think we'll know. Right now, Carson, I would say Texas is about like four or five other teams in this conference. They're a, They're a good college football team, But we don't know if they're great. Oklahoma State falls in that same category, too. Oklahoma State's a good college football team. I don't know if they're great. Same with TCU. Same with Kansas State. I I think that there are still a lot of questions about a lot of these teams uh, until they've played each other more. Obviously, we had the one last week with Oklahoma State and TCU. Oklahoma State came out on the wrong side on the road. you got to win the one at home if you want to be the one standing out of those four teams that I just mentioned. So I think Texas and Oklahoma State both fall in the same category right now of really good but the jury's out uh we'll have a lot more information a lot more evidence is is going to come out in discovery tomorrow afternoon at boom Pickett stadium
1: yeah i agree with your assessment because they don't have a quality win and then they got to go on the road to oklahoma state on the road to kansas state then at home against tcu i mean they we're going to find out real quick how how much improved texas is so that's a good point about the lack of quality wins and and certainly you're right if they if they go to stillwater win i think we'll take them much more uh, seriously, uh, before we get back to the matchup, there was some big news yesterday. Brendan Evers, defensive tackle at Oklahoma State, is uh, hanging it up for the rest of this year. Going to get ready for the NFL draft. He's he's dealt with just a myriad of injuries, particularly in his shoulders. Had so shoulder, multiple shoulder surgeries, uh, and he's hanging it up because I think he's been hurt this year too. And I I get it, Colby. Like there was some backlash from you know there's always going to be backlash from some idiots on on social media, but I think if you take a step back and realize this guy chose to come back for a super senior year, clearly he wanted to play this entire season. Just his body is letting him down. And, and at a certain point, Colby, if you keep going out there at 50% or who knows even worse, and you're putting that on tape for the NFL, that's going to do horrible, horrible things for your career moving forward. So like, while I, at first I was like, wow, he came back and his, hanging it up this with everything still in front of them. But once you realize he's really banged up and has played a ton of football and just wants to give himself that glimmer of hope of playing in the NFL, like it certainly makes, it certainly makes sense for me.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't tweet anything out whenever this came out, because I didn't really feel like I could get my thoughts out in a tweet. I think that this is a nuanced conversation and anybody out there who just hopped on Twitter and was like, wow, quitting on his team. What about like, That stuff to me, I'm not here for any of that. This is a nuanced conversation that we have to have about – what are the risks for these players, how much he's already given Oklahoma State University, because there's some things that we know, and there's some things that we don't know with this scenario. What we know is that Brendan Evers is in his sixth year at Oklahoma State. He has given a lot to the Oklahoma State football program, namely his body. He had two reconstructive shoulder surgeries last offseason. He played with a bum shoulder last year for that team, that special team that was accomplishing so much defensively. He put it on the line, he was hurt, and he went out there every Saturday and did what he could do. His shoulder is hurt again now, Carson. This is what we know. We know that Brendan Evers has given a lot to Oklahoma State. What we don't know is how badly he's hurt right now. We don't know uh, how hard this decision was, was on him, how he told the team. I would like to think that he went and talked to the coaches, and then he addressed his teammates and explained his reasoning, but... He has given Oklahoma State so, so, so much. And if he's at a point right now, Carson, where, like you said, his body will not allow him to be the best version of himself, then maybe it's better for him and for Oklahoma State that he not be out there, jeopardize his future by playing at, like you said, maybe 50%, whatever the case may be. Not only that, if he is hurt enough where he can't give the team everything that he's got then I don't think he's benefiting Oklahoma State by being out there. I think that he's hurting Oklahoma State by being out there if he can't be Brendan Evers. I, I just I can't imagine how difficult this decision was for him in his sixth year to shut it down halfway through the season on a team that is still very much in the contention for a Big 12 championship. So I just... I would ask people to be slow in passing judgment on Brendan Evers because we don't know what is happening in his life behind closed doors. There there are things that we will just never be privy to with a lot of these players. These are human beings with personal lives, with injuries, with futures and families that they have to think about moving forward. And Brendan Evers, who has gotten multiple degrees at Oklahoma State, who's been there, he's on his sixth year. I imagine he's still going to be around the program the rest of the season, because this doesn't strike me as the type of situation where there was a disgruntled player and disgruntled coaches. I think that this was just a guy who who got out of bed and everything hurt. And he's like, look, I've got a future to think about. I can't give you my all right now. And if a guy's even in that headspace, if a guy's in the headspace where he thinks my body, my mind won't allow me to play football at the highest level right now, then that guy doesn't need to be out there because these things happen so quickly on the field. If you're not 100% in physically and mentally, you don't need to be out there. So uh, I I pass no judgment on Brendan Evers. He had to make a decision that was best for him. And if he could couldn't be the best version of himself for oklahoma state then it's probably the decision that's best for oklahoma state as well i hope that he will continue to be around the program because he has been a voice in that locker room for more than half a decade now and i i still think that there are things he can teach the young guys even if he can't be out there the rest of the season so i, I think that the initial headline brendan evers to forego the rest of his uh senior season and prepare for the nfl draft i think the headline just made it seem like oh this guy you know he's just quitting halfway through the season to get ready for the nfl when you look at Brendan Evers, his career, the injuries, everything that's gone along with it. I think there's much more to it than that. Um, and, and I can't imagine how hard it was for him to make that decision, Carson.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was incredibly difficult. I, I think he probably should have touched more on why in his post. His post was pretty much just a, a giant thank you and I'm going to the NFL. I think more clarity was needed, I think, for some of those fans that they're like like you were saying, just read the headline, like, what? He's going to the NFL. We're trying to win the Big Twelve. You came back for this. Like I think if he had just been more provided more clarity on all the shoulder surgeries that he's had and, and Colby, the fact that he was waiting till November to announce his NIL program involving adopted children, you know, he himself is adopted. You think he really wanted to give up this NIL thing and and just go get ready for the NFL draft? Of course not. His hand was totally forced. and, And once we got more clarity uh, from his entire situation, I think that I think most people would, would certainly understand why he's making this decision, and and it is a big loss. But if you look at Oklahoma State's defense, that is a strength. I think Tyler Lacey will probably move inside the big boy that he is. They've got plenty of pass rushers on the roster, and that's something I wanted to touch on. You like Colby, like I mentioned it. You were in a runner, so I'm teeing off on him. I think that's one thing I think the defense would have liked to have had back against TCU is they rushed three and dropped eight a lot. I think you got to rush at least four or five on Ewers and, and get and get after them, because or else if you if you force eight eight guys in coverage to stay with their guys as long as it was taken against TCU, I I just think that spells disaster.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that you can sit back, Carson. Because to me, I don't let death by a thousand paper cuts. Who wants that? You give up a couple of bombs throughout the game, so be it. Take risks, make Queen Ewers uncomfortable. I am always in the camp of your best chance to to take down a good offense is to just make the quarterback uncomfortable. Give him some happy feet. Make him think that somebody's always coming. Speed that clock up in his head, right? Quinn Ewers stands back there patting the football, getting comfortable. He's going to scan the field. I mean, you're dropping eight in a soft zone. These receivers are going to sit down. Quinn Ewers has a really good arm. He's just going to sling it into these windows. Make him uncomfortable. Speed that clock up and make him get rid of the ball before he wants to. uh, And hit him a few times. Get back there and hit him a few times. He took a big hit against Alabama, hit him legally, hit him clean, but but make him know you're there. You know, Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, Colin Oliver, some of these guys. Just let him know a little bit. I, I think that that's your best chance. I do think we'll see a more aggressive defense this week from uh, Derek Mason because – yeah, just I don't think that you can just sit back and hope that Quinn Ewers doesn't pick you apart. Yeah, it's going to require some trust in your secondary to send more guys. But again, I'd rather get beat twice this game on an 80-yard play from from Quinn Ewers to Xavier Worthy than have them just go down the field, do what Tech did, run 100 plays, and just slowly methodically wear your defense down. You know, a, a couple of big ones doesn't bother me because a couple of big ones, you, your defense uh, is not on the field as long. You get your offense back out there wear their defense out, play a little more ball control. I I don't think that this is a game that Oklahoma state can win by three touchdowns. I think if Oklahoma state is going to win this game, it is going to be close. It is going to be late. Uh, So yeah, I I think that you need to come after Quinn Ewers, make him uncomfortable. You get burned a couple times deep, you get burned a couple times deep, but I'd rather do that than have them sit there and wear the defense down all afternoon with a hundred plays.
1: I agree with that. And I think We've touched a little bit on B. John Robinson. He really hurt OSU last year. He had 21 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns. But again, just 21 carries, I think they kind of got away from him. And this is how good Jalen Warren was last year. He had 33 carries, 193 yards in the matchup last uh, last year down in Austin. That shows you that Jalen Warren outrushing B. John Robinson. That's how good he was. And I think for the key for Oklahoma State, we, we all know the questions surrounding Spencer Sanders is, how, how, how effective is he going to be? But I think right there with it, the biggest question I have is, can they run the football? They really haven't been able to sustain much success at all, all season long running the football. And I think, you know, you and I touched on it on our post-game podcast with TCU. I, I thought they could be much more creative in terms of running on the outside with with Jaden Nixon, getting Ollie Gordon in there. Those guys, to me, have a little bit more juice in the open field uh, than, than Richland. Richland certainly does. I just think Nixon and, and Ollie provide just a, a different kind of spark, a different kind of running style than does Dom. And Dom certainly has had his moments this year; has been effective. But just when it wasn't working, they just refused to to mix it up and and do some different things. And Mike Gundy was asked about that, and he he was pretty honest, saying that you know he 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 wants to get Nixon and and Gordon more involved. Uh, he referenced he referenced um, Richardson perhaps having too many carries, and you look at his. You look at his total carries, Colby. He hadn't carried a ton a ton this year. I think it has more to do with his lack of effectiveness, is why Mike wants to get those other guys involved because we've all seen it. Um, I think that I think that has more to do with it than worrying about the the workload for, for Don Richardson. I think he realizes their the running game's not working and they need to try somebody else.
0: Yeah, Carson, we talked about it last week. Change the pace backs. Can't change the pace from the bench. They can't do it. It's not possible. Um, I love Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon, what these guys are bring I love Dominic Richardson. I do. I just don't think Dominic Richardson is a Dominant workhorse RB1 that demands 95% of running back touches. I think he's a really good player. I think he is your starting back. He's more experienced. He's physical. He can take all those hits. He can deliver a beating, wear the defense down, but to act like he's the only running back that should get carries is just, it's crazy to me. Jaden Nixon, he's a really good player. I mean, he's one of the best kick returners in the country. You want to know why? Because you get him in space, he's fast. He's elusive. He's quick with the ball in his hands. Ollie Gordon, I mean, this dude, he's a, hes on space. Special teams. He's getting down there as one of the gunners down in punts, taking guys down inside the 10. He's fast. He's electric with the ball in his hands. I really want to see more Jaden Nixon and Ollie Gordon. And Carson, we talked about it last week. Running the ball doesn't have to be boring. It can be. If you want to just line up in shotgun and run inside zone here, boom, you take it, go. You know, if you want to do that, you can do that the run game doesn't have to be boring you can have a little fun in the run game bring some guys in motion you know give it to Brennan occasionally uh, on a jet flip on a jet sweep get a guy going sideways on a toss if you think Spencer is healthy enough to do so run the speed option because Spencer is elite with the speed option he's so good at determining when to pitch or not pitch faking guys out determining you you know that one guy that he has to read whether he's coming with him or taking the running back he's so good at that and none of that stuff exists last week versus TCU it was the most bland run game I think I've ever seen uh so yeah get a little creative in the run game not only with the personnel but also with the play calling because I tell you what if 95 percent of your run game is take the snap hand it to Dominic Richardson and hope there's a hole in between the center and the right guard your running game's just not going to be very explosive so mix it up with personnel mix it up with play calling make the defense defense sideline to sideline really hope we see a lot more of that this week
1: yeah, and I, I agree with that. And Dom is third in the big twelve in total carries. He's got uh let's see, twelve less than Deuce Vaughn and thirty less than Bijan John Robinson. But you look at his average yards per carry, he has the it's 4.0. He has the lowest yards per carry among anyone in the top twenty by far. Uh so that that shows you just shows you he has had a lot of carries, Mike with reference, but the effectiveness just hasn't been there, so I, I they have to mix it up. I, I agree with you there. Um, well, I mean, so we talked about the running backs, we talked about the defensive matchup. Anything else stick out to you? I think Sanders, the the um, the tight end that Texas has, is he's a problem. I mean, all tight ends that that look like him, that are physical freaks like him, are, are matchup issues. He's going to be an issue. Uh, any other matchups you're, you're concerned with uh, in, the, in this matchup? I thought, I thought Jabbar Muhammad played really well. Uh, he was attacked a ton with Quentin Johnson. You know, Quentin Johnson had a great game, but, man, I thought Muhammad made life as difficult as you can make it on him, albeit, you know, giving up some big plays there in the fourth quarter. But any other matchups to go to you, Cole, before we pick the game?
0: Yeah, that's a good point on Muhammad. I thought that it, it was tough late, and that's kind of what stands out. But my God, that dude had a workload last Saturday. I mean, every play. All right, you've got Quentin Johnson. Have fun. I mean, that was just a brutal day to beat Jabbar Muhammad. And, and until late in that fourth quarter, I thought he did a pretty good job most of the day. Uh, Yeah, a, a matchup that I'm looking for, Oklahoma State's wide receivers against Texas DBs. I think you, you've got to get more separation. You've got to win. Uh, And you've got to catch the football. I mean, we've had... Big time drops the last couple of weeks. Uh, And it's been on these deep in cuts. I mean, Bryson Green had one a couple of weeks ago. Spencer puts it right on the money. Just hits him in the hand and falls on the turf. Last week, first and 20 uh, in in double overtime. Spencer hits Brayden Johnson right in the hands. He puts it on the turf. These guys, they've got to make plays to help Spencer out because, uh, man, these these are plays that decide football games. So I'm I'm looking for these guys to get open. uh, And Brendan Presley, I, I don't. I don't totally blame him only having four catches last week on him. I think part of that is is the coaching staff not really setting the offense up for success, whether they were, you know, tentative with the play calling because of injuries or whatever the case may be. But Brennan Presley, he needs to be the guy that he can be. I mean, he, he needs to be the guy that we saw in Ames last year. Uh, they need big plays because he's supposed to be one of the best players on offense. And last week when they needed big plays, uh, be, whether it was because of his inability to get open, Spencer's inability to get involved, the coaching staff's inability to get him involved, Whatever the case may be, Brendan Presley just was not involved last week when he needed to be. Uh, so these receivers, Carson, I'm expecting them to have a big day against uh, Texas because you, you're going to have to score points to beat this Texas team, and you're not only going to do it on the run game. Uh, Texas, too big and physical up front. The offensive line doesn't exactly uh, move buildings to get people out of the way for the in the run game. So these receivers, I think, are going to have to come up big tomorrow.
1: Did you notice Braylon Presley made his first appearance on the old depth chart this week?
0: I did. That was very sneaky,
1: wasn't it? They waited until what week seven? Very sneaky. They put them out there in some of their five wide looks, which I just I love. I'm I'm a sucker for five wide. Just spread them out, and that that it's like that's like the old school for everyone that played NCAA football back in the day. Back when uh, I think everyone the, the original guy I think was Woody Dantzler from Clemson on NCAA. My my friend Kevin Rutherford would always pick Clemson just run five wide like hail Mary and then just run the football with Woody Dancler Cause he was like the most mobile quarterback on the game. That, <laughs> I just, I'm a, I've always been a sucker for that. It, it worked like every time you basically had to like use your own linebacker and just try and chase him down. He wasn't as fast. Uh, that I think that could work with Spencer running the football. That gets him a lot more space to operate, but I think Braylon is an underutilized resource just like his brother. I think Brennan clearly way more underutilized given his experience and importance to the team. I, I don't mean to compare the two, but I do think in certain situations, Braylon would certainly offer more, including in the running game. The guy played running back in high school. I know he's tiny, but Deuce Vaughn's not exactly a, a giant and he's pretty damn good at it. So I, I hope they just use some wrinkles. I'm not saying give Braylon 15 carries or anything, but don't just hand it up the gut to Dominic Richardson and expect to beat Texas. That That's not happening. It's not. Their defense has improved. Their defensive lines improved. They're, they're a better football team. And I, I wasn't sure I was going to be saying that coming into this season. I thought they were getting a lot of undue hype. They lost a million games in a row last year. But you're going to have to come out and be creative uh, against Texas to win the game. So that, that leads me to, Colby. What's your pick on this game? OSU a six six to six-and-a-half-point underdog at home to the higher-ranked team. But what's your pick on the game?
0: Uh, yeah, Carson <laughs> – I've, I've really struggled with this. I thought that Oklahoma state was split between Texas and TCU. I kind of thought they'd beat TCU though. I, I still think that this is a good team. I don't know that I see them losing back-to-back games, Carson. I'm going to put a caveat on it. If Spencer Sanders does not play, Oklahoma state just did not winning this game. I, I can't imagine he doesn't, but I just want to throw that out there. If Spencer does That's not totally play fair, totally if, fair. If, yep. I get that. Yeah. He doesn't play. They're not winning the football game. Spencer Sanders runs out there. Oklahoma State has performed well against Texas. This Texas team is good, but again, I don't think they're great. I think Oklahoma State and Texas are kind of right there together. I think the line on this game is way too big for two teams that should be pretty evenly matched, and the game's in Stillwater. It's homecoming. The crowd's going to be crazy. I don't know, man. I, I just I feel like this is a game that Oklahoma State – has to, has to, has to win at home. Coming off the big loss, uh, Texas has looked vulnerable. We saw it against Tech. We saw it against Iowa State. I think if Spencer Sanders plays Oklahoma State wins this game I think some hard lessons were learned last week in Fort Worth uh and I'm not talking about the players I think the coaches had to have come away from that game saying wow we have got to do a better job getting our guys in position to be successful we've got to be more creative offensively we have to do things to get guys into space and to score points because we can't just sit on the ball and hope that we're going to win uh I hope that those lessons were learned I hope that uh, the coaching is an a plus this week uh and I think it will I trust this staff to make those adjustments. Carson, if Spencer Sanders plays uh, 41-37, give me the pokes.
1: Well, I like it. That is a high-scoring affair, I I tend to agree with it. But before I get to my pick, Colby, did you realize that Steve Sarkeesian has never won a road game in the Big 12? What? That can't be right. This has not won a road game with Steve Sarkeesian at the helm. Now, remember, they play OU in the Cotton Bowl. It's considered a neutral Ah. side game. But still – they have not gone on the road and gotten on an airplane and gone home with a W. They've only gone the home with L's. And I think that plays a role with me, especially with a freshman quarterback. I know Quinn is a redshirt. I know he's a five-star, all everything. But to me, that matters. And I'm having a hard time getting over the fact that they haven't gone and proven it yet. I mean, sure, they played Alabama tough. They lost. I mean, you can I can sit here and I did say that they should have won the game. They didn't. You can say, you know, they've, they've had some decent wins at home. That's fine. They almost lost to Iowa State. Iowa State's got a really good defense. And the thing that really sticks out for me, and it's kind of weird, is the OU game. Sure, they won 49 to nothing. We all know that. OU didn't even have a pulse offensively, their defense was horrific. And Ewers faced a lot of third downs in that game. I didn't think Ewers was all that great in that game. He threw a, a, a hilarious interception, threw it right into the, the midst of an OU defensive back to start the game. That could have changed things a little bit. I just didn't think Texas was all that impressive against a completely hapless Oklahoma that basically handed them the game with their offensive game plan. And I just, as much as they won that game going away, like I didn't sit there and go, wow, Texas is just – They look incredible. I know he's bad, but, man, they got just weapons everywhere. They're dialed in. like They're going to be a tough out. That's not how I walked away from that matchup at all. In fact, I thought they kind of bumbled their way through that and, oh, you just kind of rolled out the red carpet to do so. And so you couple that with Oklahoma State playing at home, the fact they've outplayed Texas virtually every matchup for the last decade. I think they're an overall better football program with a better head coach. They are improved. I, I really am impressed with the offense that Sarkeesian has has really installed and, and has run with Ewers and, and certainly the skill players I mentioned with Worthy and Sanders. and Whitty, They have way more skill talent this year than they've ever had the last 10 years, ever since Colt McCoy graduated. So I, I do think it's going to be a tough matchup. But Oklahoma State is better than Texas, I believe, in two of the three phases. I think People can laugh and say that I think they're better defensively. I think they are. I don't think Texas has played an offense with a pulse yet. Uh, JT Daniels good at West Virginia, but I'm sorry, that doesn't, that doesn't just make me think Texas is some great, you know, steel curtain defense. I certainly think Oklahoma State's better in special teams. And I think they have the better head coach. Certainly the more proven head coach. Sarkeesian's facing a lot of what Mike faced his first few years where he couldn't win a road game. There's 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 nuance to that. That's that's a skill that coaches learn, how to, how to prepare a team for a road matchup in a hostile environment, and so far he's failed. I am extremely concerned with OSU's offense, having said all that. If they think they can just step back and just throw it deep to Braden Johnson and then just hand it up the gut to Dominic Richardson, they are losing this game, and they might lose it badly. If they don't get Brennan Presley involved in the short-passing game, John Paul Richardson the short-passing game, take those easy five, six yards to, to complement running the football, then they're going to lose. And it's, it's pretty straightforward for me. But if they show a lot of the creativity they've used this year with Spencer and his, his, his mobile ability that he showed off the last time they came to Stillwater, as long as they just don't go into the shell like they did against Bayward, they won that game, the shell they went against TCU, they lost that game, I think they're going to be just fine. They're going to give up some points. It's going to be high scoring. It's going to be a typical – old school, big 12 football game from years past, but Oklahoma state's the better team. And if they just come out and, and let it all hang out, they're going to win the game. And I think that's what they're going to do. Cause Mike is at his best when ranked teams come to town. He's got one of the best records against ranked opponents of any coach in the country. And he's got the, he's got on his side too, that they're underdogs. I, I really fear Mike's game plans and some of the, the past results when they come in as a, a favorite in a ranked matchup. I think they come out way more guns blazing when they're not, and they 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 play a little bit more to not they play a little bit more to win, and so I think that's what's going to happen. I think Oklahoma State is going to force some turnovers, rushing the passer. I think they're going to get after youers. I think they've, you know, they lead the Big Twelve in sacks, Colby, but they really haven't just dominated a football game thoroughly the way I think they're capable of. And I think this could be it. I think oh, Texas Texas got a good offensive line, but there's just not much you can do when Trace Ford is is running downhill along with Colin Oliver. So I think that's the difference in the game for me. I think they get just a few more stops, a few more perhaps turnovers, strip sacks, things of that nature. I think they win 42-38. I think it's close, but I think Oklahoma State wins in in yet another high-scoring affair uh, against Texas. So I don't know how you feel about all that, Colby, but I'm not nearly as confident as I was going into the TCU matchup. But I just – the more I think about it, I just think through the better program – with the better head coach and with the overall better team. And I think that's been proven over this year, let alone the last couple of years. I just I think Texas is really unproven. I think they're getting a lot of undue credit.
0: Oh, no, they're definitely getting a lot of undue credit. We had uh, somebody uh, tweet at us earlier this week about all the hype Texas is getting and why are they getting it, and I just screenshotted the Texas helmet online and circled the logo on the side. Texas rates out very highly in the HL metric, Carson, and it is HL metric season, that helmet logo uh, for Texas. Let's see here. By the way, uh, Kelly Ford does ratings on Twitter, just like basically analytic-type college football stuff and projected game ratings for week eight. It's the weighted ratings rating of projected quality and competitiveness of all games across the country number one this week texas at oklahoma state uh a 93 rating in kelly ford's ratings which is number one in the entire country 93 out of 100 carson the the reality is this game to coin flip I know the line is six. It doesn't feel like a six-point spread. I think that this game is a coin flip. Uh, I gave Tanner Brown my bullet on Sunday because I thought he was the only one uh, who did his job for all four quarters and two overtimes for Oklahoma State. It could be a Tanner Brown game, Carson. Might need Tanner Brown to hit another 52-yarder late in the game to win it. Uh, Hopefully, special teams continues to shine for Oklahoma State. I just... Yeah, I mean, even seeing that there, that that rating on this game, I'm excited for this game. I think it's competitive for four quarters. Uh, I hope we're right, and I hope Oklahoma State comes out on top because if Oklahoma State were to lose this game, Carson, you no longer have control over your destiny in the conference. You need other things uh, to go wrong. Now, Kansas State and TCU still play each other. There's tiebreaker scenarios, but right now, I still feel like Oklahoma State uh, would very much be in control of its own destiny if they were to run the table. You lose to Texas, that's not the case. So uh, I think that there will probably be two or three plays in the fourth quarter that we look at and say that won or lost the game. Uh, hopefully those plays go in Oklahoma State's favor.
1: Yeah, and fourth downs have been such a huge talking point thus far in the season with the way Baylor and, and Tech went forward a bunch and TCU even. I just – I hope Gundy and the staff – like, to me, it's all about how a game is playing out. And if this is the type of game you and I have predicted, punting, it's just that's, – that's losing. That's losing football. I hope they take into account the game flow, how their defense is playing, if they've solved some of the issues that Ewers and their their skill players present. If they'll try to extend some drives by going for it on fourth down. Because it's been proven that that's that the analytics agree with it given the situation and certainly the position on the field. And I, I just I hope they pull out all stops and and mainly just go with the game flow. This is not you don't have the 2021 defense anymore. The idea that punting is winning has worked a lot for Mike and I understand that, but game situations and game flow matter. And I think in this game, punting is losing. So I just I hope on the first series, if they get a fourth down on like Texas's 30, and it's short yardage, go for it. Go, go send a message that you're gonna be aggressive and and know that this is probably gonna be a shootout. I don't think either defense is gonna shut each other down completely. So I hope they do that as well.
0: Uh, yeah, I agree. Sorry, I was looking at uh, your reply to Justin Southwell here on Twitter about the uniform predictions. <laughs> he's he's throwing Justin's talking about a little uh, throwback homecoming helmet, a little 1960s action.
1: Yeah, the uh, the Bucking Bronco. They wore that at homecoming, I believe the 2014 season, maybe 2013, somewhere in there. It's one of the old school logos from the '60s. Kind of Wyoming has stolen that, along with cursive cowboys and swinging Pete. They've got the bucking bronco on their helmet. They're just just pilfering Oklahoma State's marketing department, uh, even from the '60s. (laughs) But yeah, he predicted orange, orange, white. I'm curious what uh, your prediction is for the Unis on homecoming. They do do the they do the throwback helmet on homecoming. That's become a tradition.
0: The throwback helmet has been a tradition. Uh, I think Carson. I think that they're going to go back to the '80s helmet that they had huge success with against Texas uh, a few years ago, the Corn Dog year. I don't know that they're going to go back to that full uniform, but I think that they're going to go to that helmet. I'm thinking, uh, golly, this is a tough one for homecoming. I'm thinking white, orange, white with the old school OSU insignia on the side from the '80s. Yeah, that's the
1: uh, the Corn Dog game, 2018 yeah. Texas. I don't, I don't really understand the uniform rules. Why they, they they wear the helmet throwback, but then they wear the current uniforms. But then that one year in 2018, they wore the 88. I guess that was commemorating the 88 team. I I I get that with the anniversary in 2018. I just I would wear that uniform every year on homecoming. Just 1988 throwback uniform. We're wearing it. You know it. It looks great. <laughs> we all love it. But I don't I don't think they're doing that this year. I think that was a one off. So. I liked where Southwell was going. I just think they're running out of opportunities to wear all black. So I'm going all black with the helmet logo that Justin suggested, the bucking Bronco. And the key is the stripe that they've worn through the middle of the helmet, the orange and white uh, stripe that they've worn for the uh, curse of Cowboys helmet. I think they go black helmet, bucking Bronco, stripe down the middle, all black. Uh, I think they're, they're rocking the All Blacks for uh, Texas. It's uh, going to be a nice day, so no issues with that. So I'm going All Black everything.
0: Yeah, I like it. They've worn the All Black before uh, against Texas. I think that was for a night game, though, Halloween, like 2011, 2013, maybe, something like that. But the All Blacks would be good. We're, we're kind of on different sides of the uniforms this week, so it should be interesting tomorrow. It should. Anything
1: uh, striking nationally? I think um, this is going to be a, w- a wild year. Like Normally these things get sorted out. You know, there's three or four dominant teams that that make it in the college football playoff, but I don't know. This year's I think going to be pretty crazy because Alabama they lose to Tennessee. I think they've they've looked susceptible most of this year. Uh, Georgia hasn't been just overwhelming as of late, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a wild year. Any any national games to get to? Obviously, Kansas State TCU is critical in the Big Twelve, and in typical Big Twelve fashion, it's going to be on Fox Sports One and. <laughs> we'll hurt the ratings, and you'll have those dorks from the Pac-12 area saying, "Oh, look at these numbers. The Pac-12 drew a higher number. Like at, when it's the only game on television at 10 o'clock at night, and TCU, K-State's on on Fox Sports One. But that that's a that's a critical game in, in Big 12."
0: yeah that's a huge game i'm so looking forward to that one because then oklahoma state will kind of know uh okay is kansas state undefeated in conference wherever you go up there it's it'll settle a lot of things this weekend with oklahoma state and texas and kansas state and tcu playing on the same weekend i mean those are your four conference championship contenders right now and they're playing each other on the same weekend it's awesome action in the big 12 i think it's great for the big 12 uh hopefully people will be watching uh i'm curious just kind of for fun, Carson, to see how badly Ohio State beats beats Iowa. Uh, I I wonder if Iowa can score, if they will score. Offense, I mean, not defense or special teams. We know they can do that. Uh, But, Carson, there's weirdly a game in the Pac-12 I'm I'm interested in. I don't actually know if UCLA is the real deal. It doesn't seem like they should be because we've gotten so used to them being bad. But UCLA going on the road to Oregon, I mean, in Eugene, if Chip Kelly and, and those guys go up and win up there, all of a sudden, I'm going to have to look at UCLA and start taking them really seriously. So, uh, UCLA at Oregon catches my eye a little bit. UCLA is a total fallacy. Did you know they've played one game outside the Rose Bowl this year? Uh, I did not know that, but it doesn't surprise me. They, they do have the win over Utah, like you said, those in the Rose Bowl.
1: You know where their one game outside of the Rose Bowl was? Uh, I do not. <laughs> Older Colorado in front of about fifteen people against one of the worst teams in all of college football, regardless of division or, or class. Uh wow. That's insane. I think Oregon is going to beat the tar out of UCLA. Now I think Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback's pretty good. He's played really well this year. That that was a good win over Utah, but uh, I think Oregon's starting to figure things out, and I think I think they're going to win that game. Maybe not beat the Tar out of them, but I think I think UCLA goes down and ends that that dream for the Pac-12. Uh, did you see? You mentioned Ohio State and my good friends Iowa. Did you see that like three, maybe four players on Iowa's team, individual players, have scored more touchdowns than Iowa has as a team this year? Ah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't see that but that tracks yeah i believe it I believe stroud marvin harrison jr and one other player I'm trying to find that graphic that popped up what in my people just send me big 12 hate propaganda and i love it keep sending it to me i cackle every time i see it someone had passed that along but I'm, I'm having trouble finding it but yeah three or four players in ohio state have scored more individual touchdowns than their entire iowa team has and since we're talking about our good friends at Iowa, this would be fun. And I I hope we get, you know, that, that secondary bowl game in Arizona. It used to be the insight bowl, cheese it bowl. It's been a lot of different things, but I think it's a big 10, big 12 matchup. Like what if Iowa played Oklahoma? It'd be like the worst offense in the country against one of the worst defenses in the country. And it would be like, it would be just a, a science lab experiment watching that but more than anything I just I want more big 10 big 12 matchups to to end this narrative that that's some great conference
0: uh yeah I, I think that you're right Carson uh I, I'm with you on all that nationally not a lot going on this week Iowa, Ohio you, State. are you
1: worried about oh you put up 700 yards on Kansas no. uh with their quarterback they're running the football much better than Oklahoma State are you already getting a little squinky already kind of knocking on your door popping in the, the house saying hello like how, how you feeling about Bedlam now that they've got their quarterback back I, I was pretty impressed with how they kind of handled Kansas offensively I mean they certainly had their issues defensively but going to Norman facing them is isn't going to be the cakewalk that it's been for a lot of teams this year
0: uh yeah no I think that uh Oklahoma State is much better than Oklahoma I think Oklahoma's soft I'm I don't know. Maybe in a month, I feel differently today. I still feel very good about that game for Oklahoma state. Part of it, Carson, I Kansas was, it was such a fun story. It was a cool story. I just, I don't respect Kansas as a good football team. I'm not certain that they're going to win another game. The rest of the season, Jalen Daniels obviously makes them better. He wasn't out there last week against Oklahoma. I know Jalen Daniels doesn't play defense and Oklahoma moved the ball up and down the field. I I I don't fear OU. I really do. I think that they're a six and six, maybe a seven and five, probably a seven and five team because they already got the win. Uh, They still play Iowa State. They still play with. Yeah, I think they're a six and six or seven and five team. I I don't think that they're beating Oklahoma State this year, assuming Oklahoma State is healthy. If this injury train continues to roll, no bye week between now and the the rest of the season, if Oklahoma State goes into Norman with three or four key injuries like we've seen at times, uh, I might preach a different story, but. As it stands today, I think a healthy Oklahoma State team goes in and, and handles what I think is a soft OU team.
1: Yeah, I just hate how people ignore teams missing their starting quarterback, and that includes OU. I mean, people just oh, they lost 49-0. Well, they didn't have their starting quarterback. Like, what would OSU do without Spencer? Like, it's, it's silly, and I feel that way about Kansas. Now, I'm, I'm with you. I think they could certainly, you know, lose out. They were a nice story. I didn't think they were going to, you know, challenge for the Big 12 or anything, but they didn't have their quarterback, and they still put up. You know, 42 on OU. So I I OU's definitely still has their issues defensively, but you just any school that loses their starting quarterback is gonna lose games. That's just a fact. And that's something OU hadn't had to deal with. That OSU has. Think of all the quarterback injuries OSU's had over the years and, and be in missing quarterbacks in key games. That was the first time OU's had not had their starting quarterback since 2014. I mean, they've really really dance to the raindrops on quarterback injuries. So don't feel sorry for them, but it's just, it's a key factor, especially when you play a team, you know, without their starter. So and I think that affects the defense and how much points you give up. You can't sustain drives your defense is out there a long time. That that goes hand in hand, but yeah, pretty much a ho-hum weekend of college football other than the one in Stillwater and, uh, the TCUK state game certainly worth keeping an eye on. So Colby, it's been fun. Uh, enjoy homecoming. Hope the, hope the, the young one enjoys her first homecoming. And, uh, We'll catch up uh,
0: after the game. Uh, yeah, should be looking, should be a lot of fun tonight. Looking forward to homecoming and hoops, all that good stuff. It's back in Gallagher-Iba this year, uh, which I think is a great move. It's kind of fun to do it outside last year for for one time, but anybody who wasn't on the front row couldn't see anything. Uh, it was cold last year. It should be beautiful tonight. So everybody enjoy homecoming, enjoy homecoming and hoops, and uh, hopefully a good one tomorrow. Carson, are we planning, uh, what, what are our plans for postgame? Sunday at noon? We on Sunday at noon? I'm good with that.
1: Uh, I might be able to do after the game. I'm not sure yet, but I didn't know you'd be in Stillwater. I don't know if you could do it after the game or not.
0: Yeah, I think we've got some uh, family stuff after the game tomorrow night. So, uh, So, yeah, yeah. let's just
1: Sunday at noon. uh, Join us. Uh, We didn't have nearly as many people watching on on Sunday last week against (laughs) TCU. I understand the frustrations of people, but uh, hopefully OSU gets a win. We'll have a lot of good things to talk about on Sunday.
0: Yeah, nobody, nobody wants to listen uh, after a loss. It's not nearly as much fun to talk about after a loss. So uh, Sunday at noon, we're back to recap this one. Hopefully it's a good one. Uh, coin flip game. Hopefully Carson and I are right, and Oklahoma State comes out on top. Everyone enjoy. Have a good weekend. As always, go Pokes.